Week one of football is in the books, and let's talk all about it on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. Sherm Chester is here with special guest Roger Brown from the Union Leader and the New Hampshire Football Report.com. Roger, what is your takeaway from week number one? You know, I saw Nashua North uh, Friday night, and I would say, you know, I had some questions about them coming into the season. I thought they were going to be pretty good. And what I saw in their victory over Bedford confirmed that they, you know, they'll be a team that will be at or near the top of the standings this year, I, I believe, and will be difficult for anybody to beat. And then, um, you know, Saturday I saw a Wyndham Pinkerton game that was one of the strangest games I'll probably see all year. It looked like we were headed towards running time because Pinkerton scored three TDs real early. It had another one called back. And then in the second half, it was all Wyndham. Pinkerton couldn't do anything to stop them. And uh, Wyndham could have taken the lead with a two-point conversion, and they didn't get it. But even after that, they looked like they were marching for a go-ahead score. And uh, Pinkerton held on because they forced a fumble and recovered it. So um, I guess those are my two biggest takeaways because those are the games I saw from week one, uh, high school-wise. Um well, one, one I was going to ask you about is the Keene game. That, that Was that a surprise for you, Keene Blackbirds uh, knocking out a, a contender? No, not at all. I don't know that – I don't think Goffstown will – they may struggle to win a game this year. Really? Wow. Yeah. A rebuild? They really hit them hard in this class and their junior class. They had kids not come back out for football. I, I guess they – couldn't access the weight room. I don't, I don't know all, you know all the particulars, but I know they have only four seniors and I think it's nine juniors in the whole program. So, uh, you know, they're going to struggle this year for sure. Now, what about the Blackbirds? Are they for real? I mean, we were, was this just a flu? Keene was pretty good last year. You know, they lost some good players, but they certainly took some steps forward. They were a physical team. Um, you know, hung in there with some some of the better teams in Division One. It's early in the year, so I'm not sure exactly you know what their new personnel is like. But um, based on what I saw last year, I figured them to be much improved. So, um, you know, that one wasn't a surprise to me. And now, as far as the Seacoast teams were concerned, uh, I think everybody was kind of thinking the Winnipeg would uh, would come strong out of the box. Uh, but uh, and then uh, Dover was another one that kind of, you know, was a, would they have a good season? So give us a, a kind of your thumbnail on those two teams. Yeah, that was a good point, Trim. I, I thought I picked Winnicott to win that one just because I'm a little more familiar with what they have returning. Um, but I guess Dover's quarterback didn't play last year. So that was kind of an unknown to a lot of us. He had a terrific game, Ryder Robin. And the other thing that surprised me about that one was just the fact that when it kind of didn't score, mm-hmm. you know, you, um, you know, they've got enough guys back where I figured they would move the ball. And maybe they did move the ball. I didn't see the game, but they didn't find the end zone. Um, but anytime you can pitch a shutout, you know, any week, forget about opening week, uh, it says a lot about your team, I think. So uh, I think, Dover's victory probably got people's attention across the state and people will be taking a harder look at them. You know, they moved into the power pole this week. So look out for that green wave. Yeah. Yeah. Good coach, you know? Uh, so, you know, they may be, may be a lot better than people uh, thought. Now Timberlane, they moved up uh, into 
Division One this year. They had a game against Memorial, and they came up on top of Memorial uh, in that one, 41-13. Um, obviously, they're, they're a contender because they've moved them up. Uh, but, it, again, was that just kind of a tune-up game, or what, what, what's your take on that? Well, I think a Timberlane would be pretty good. I mean, this is where they belong in Division One, right? I mean, they went down to Division Two and they didn't lose a game and <clears throat> won the title. So they're obviously too good for most of the teams down there. Um, they still got a strong senior class, guys that contributed a lot last year. And Memorial is not bad, um, particularly their quarterback. If you, if you do see Memorial this year, they have a kid named Connor McFarland, who's a who's a small kid, but he's kind of like a high school Doug Flutie, you know, a spark plug that makes a lot of things mm-hmm. happen. Um, and they, you know, and they, they've got some players on Memorial. That's not an easy game for anybody. And I guess that one was pretty close late. And then it just, you know, spiraled out of control in uh, Timberlane's favor. So it wasn't the lopsided game that the score may indicate. Um, So I think that was an impressive win uh, for Timberlane. Um, I expect them to be good. And I, you know, I expect the Seacoast Conference, I guess it's the East Conference now, just overall to be better than a lot of people think, you know, Dover and Timberland are two of the teams there. So yeah, no, Memorial as well. I'm going to get to the blue Hawks in a second here, but first I want to go into what is it? The central division and Londonderry. That was maybe the score that surprised me the most. I mean, they were tied with Concord late in the first half and, uh, you know, had their hands full, um, ended up winning by 10, but I think a lot of people, um, matter of fact, Concord moved into the, I think the 10th spot in the poll just because they were that impressive in a loss. So Concord, I, we, I got to see them in a scrimmage this year at Exeter and they are much improved. Um, yeah, that was, this, you know, there was a time that Friday night, the two scores came in Concord and Londonderry were tied and central was ahead of Salem in the third quarter. And, you know, I was wondering what world I was living in at that point, just because those were both <laughs> such surprising scores, but, um, we'll know more about Londonary this weekend. They're going down to Rhode Island to face uh, Bishop Hendrickson. And for those who don't know, that's the school that's won, I believe it's 11 out of the last 12 state championships down there. So it'll be state champ versus state champ. And uh, we'll, we'll get an idea exactly, you know, where New Hampshire football stacks up against some of the other states here. And you're going to be covering that one yourself, right? I am. Yep. Going down for that one. Sure. And the only other team I was going to just mention in the West uh, Division, of course, the Bishop Girton Cardinals, uh, they took out Nashua South. Uh, is this a, a sign of things to come from Bishop Girton coming back into the play again? Yeah, they're going to be really strong this year. Um, I put them third behind uh, Londonderry and Exeter, but uh, really it's kind of early, but you know, you could put those teams in any order, and I don't think you could argue strongly mm-hmm. against it. Um, they're big, athletic. They got experience at running back, quarterback in the line. They're, they're going to be, you know, they might be the team in the end, to be honest with you. They're that good. So, wow. interesting. Uh, I mean, it's been a few years since we've seen the, the Green Bay Packer helmets into a championship game. So, uh, it's always fun if, if Exeter's there, too. <laughs> could be. The way, they, the way the playoffs are this year, yeah, it could be, you know. Like the old days, you know. No, I'm, I, I'd like to see that. Uh, and, and Coach brought up in our last show about how we played in the snow 
one of those championship games against the Gurton Cardinals. That, that was an interesting uh, game years ago. Uh, let's get to the Blue Hawks. They had their opener against the uh, Portsmouth Oyster River Clipper Cats. Uh, I don't want to call it a cakewalk, but they they showed that their team they're going to they're going to be a contender, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think they did what was expected. You know, um, they put a lot of time uh, into special teams in the preseason, and it paid off right away with the kickoff return, you know, the, the game's opening kickoff. And, you know, they were very businesslike. They built a big lead, and, you know, Coach Ball doesn't like to score too many points, you know, regardless of the situation. So they took their foot off the throttle. And, you know, I saw the replay of the game, and I actually didn't think Portsmouth was all that you know, bad, really. Uh, um, I'm not saying they're going to be like a top five team or anything, but they certainly uh, look respectable to me. So yeah. um, it just makes what Ports, uh, what Exeter did a little bit more impressive, I think, going in there and beating what will probably be a pretty good team. You know, that's the, back to that East Conference. It's Most weeks it's going to be very competitive when those teams are playing each other, I think. You and I kicked it around in a previous show. Would Coach Ball start throwing the ball and, and he did have Pafford throwing the ball to his tight end grainy and uh, it worked. I mean, it was effective. So it gives him another option. I mean, we know the three yards in a cloud of dust with the three running backs in, in the, you know, in the backfield going for it, but that, that gives him a little element of surprise if you want to call it that. Well, they usually have success through the air by surprise. I would say, you know, they're, you know, the stats are usually two for three for 80 yards and a touchdown because you know, when they pass half the time, there's nobody covering the guy because they're just totally fooled. But I think this year they can throw at any time with success. They have the quarterback who can do it and they have receivers. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they they do choose to throw it more than they have in the recent past. And uh, I would expect them to have success with the air whenever they whenever they go to the passing game. And it was interesting the way they started their season off scoring wise. Uh, I think it was like a 90 plus yard run back by uh, Delore on a kickoff. So <laughs> that, that set the tone for, for the season. We hope, you know, well, it's what you want. Right. And I, I believe it was Evans first varsity play. So, you know, kudos to him, but yeah. again, you know, we saw in the college games, if people watch much college football over the holiday weekend, that, special teams are huge you know particularly early in the year you got to put some time in in preseason they can be the difference between winning and losing yeah and i'm not saying that was the case in the exeter game but it certainly got like you said set the tone and um you know got the exeter off to the start it was looking for and And it can be demoralizing for the other team as well oh yeah score early score often now let's let's just mention that in exeter's case they're at home they're going to be playing uh, a non-conference game against Champlain Valley Union uh, High School from Vermont. Um, have you heard anything about this team they're going to be playing this week? Or Yeah, they're, uh, they made the uh, Division One championship game in Vermont last year, came up short, got a lot of players back from that team. Um, team that likes to throw the ball a lot. They have a very good quarterback. I believe his name is Max Destito. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and a, a wide receiver, their best wide receiver is back as well. So they're, you know, from what I'm told, they throw it more than more than half the time typically. Um, and they do use three different quarterbacks depending wow. on the situation. I mean, they have their primary guy, but they'll bring in two others um, 
you know, to do special things, whether it's power run game or uh, whatever else they have up their sleeve. So, um, you know, we'll see how they stack up. They're, they're supposed to be one of the better teams in Vermont again this year. I think they scored 56 points in their opener against Middlebury. So um, they certainly have some offensive firepower. And, uh, you know, these out-of-state games are always intriguing. So. Well, it's, it's impressive. You Like you said a few minutes ago, Londonderry is going down to take on a, a real contender in another state and, and, and the Blue Hawks as well. So, you know, this bodes well for down the end of the season. Who knows? Maybe we'll see these two teams, Londonderry and Exeter, going at it, I hope. Or, you know, I'm, I'm hoping at least Exeter's there, let's put it that way. And and going after a good team for this bye week. Most teams have tried to schedule a game against whoever they could find. Yeah, because, I mean, after that, I mean, they've got uh, – I'm just looking at the Blue Hawks schedule. they got three on the road, Salem, Winnicott, and Timberlake. Then they come home, host Bedford. Then they go over to Dover, over to Dover. And uh, then uh, the last two games of the season, they'll host Spalding and then Manchester Memorial. So that's a pretty good schedule. I mean, they uh, – I'm glad they have this tune-up against this team from Vermont because – Salem's not going to be a pushover. Obviously, when it kind of has the rivalry game and they have a lot to prove, especially after a shaky start against Dover. And, uh, you know, you said Timberland's an up-and-coming team. Bedford, they've always been some sort of a factor in, in the uh, Division One. Dover coming back again. Spalding, they had a win in their opener. Uh, so, you know, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun season, really. I think uh, it's, it's wide open at this point. I don't know about wide open, but there's certainly a, a group of teams at the top um, uh, that could win it, I think. Uh, kind of probably too early to make any definitive statements, but it's certainly not, you know, one team and, and the rest is everybody else is chasing that one team. You know, there's right. at least three or four and, and maybe more, you know, we'll know, we'll know more for sure once we get a couple games under our belt, but um, you know, certainly what I've seen, you know, from North, they were so physical and their defense was so good against Bedford. I, I got to throw them in the mix. Uh, mm -hmm. So that gives you at least four. Mm -hmm. And I think people are still overlooking Timberlane. Um, you know, they, they, as this freshman class, you know, again, it doesn't always translate that, but they were the, the best team in the state when this group was freshmen. They beat Exeter mm -hmm. in, the, in the title game, actually. Um, they don't have their best running back who's coming back later in the season. He's been hurt, and they won it last year without their starting quarterback who got hurt before the playoffs, and he's back. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think it would be a mistake to look past that Timberland team. Yeah, that's two factors. You you just brought up one of them, you know, injuries that can throw a, a season off for any team in the league. And then obviously weather can be, a can, uh, you know, the conditions can change on a dime here in New England. So that could always throw it in favor of one team or another. Some some teams are good on a muddy track and others, you know, most are playing on turf now. But, you know, if you go to a mud field, hey, it changes the game and the cleats. Sure. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> No well, we also had a, a, a big win uh, in the start of the Rick Santos era for the UNH Wildcats uh, in Durham last week. Uh, give me your impression on what you saw there. Well, I was just, you know, they needed to get a win, I think, no matter how it looked, um, just to get last year behind them. You know, they finished with eight straight losses and you know, there was a lot of energy with the new coach and start of a new season. And, 
I just I just thought it was important for that program to get a victory, even if it was an ugly victory. Uh, and I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying, you know, they needed to come out on top of the scoreboard. Uh, and I thought they did what they had to do to get it. You know, it, it didn't look good uh, through three quarters, but they were the better team in the fourth quarter. You know, they outscored mom the 14 to nothing, uh, made the plays when they had to and, uh, and, and got the 10 point victory. So, um, you know, typically what, what you'd expect or, you know, from an opener, a lot, lot to improve on, but if you can win, you know, when you're not at your best and then make those corrections and then just get better as the season goes on, I think that's what everybody's looking to do. Right. And, um, you know, they've got an Albany team this week uh, who's, you know, not supposed to be at the top of the CAA. Uh, but UNH has always struggled with Albany. I think they've lost three in a row, maybe four or five against them. And Albany's got a bunch of uh, FBS transfers. So I guess my point is this is a game that even though UNH is on the road, they still have should have a good chance to win this one too. And if they could start 2-0, Mm. You know, again, I think the fan base will be energized and, and we may be, you know, in for an interesting season. I was I was impressed by uh, the defense, especially in that second half and uh, the fourth quarter in particular. They, they were they were fired up. Uh, the offense, uh, I was going to say any any takeaways from what you saw from Max Brosmer's quarterback? Well, I, I thought the offense was just okay. I mean, they've they got a touchdown on defense and they got a touchdown on special teams, right? So, you know, 14 points came from somebody other than some unit other than the offense. Uh, it didn't look great, to be honest with you, through three quarters, but I thought Max and the rest of the offense was was good in the fourth quarter, did what they had to do. So when the game was on the line, they did play much better. Um, you know, I think the overall grade, you know, may not be where coach Santos wants it to be, but again, in the final 10 minutes or so, they played their best offensive football. I think you could argue and um, not, not a total surprise. I mean, Max, you know, hadn't played a lot of football, you know, in a long time. So other than practice. So, you know, the fact that he had to shake off some rust, I think a lot of people uh, probably expected that to happen. Again, there's room for them to improve. Probably have to. Well, in the third quarter, I believe it was, maybe it was a fourth, um, he had a keeper and he slid and he's wearing a knee brace and it either became unbuckled or, you know, shifted on him and he had to take him out of the game for a couple of plays. So Brett Edwards went in so they could uh, put the brace back up. That is the only question I've got. His mobility, if he sees an opening, uh, he's kind of sort of got to be careful because he's got to do that uh, slide into second and, and uh, not chance taking that knee out again. Correct. Yeah. And I think he had a pretty sure he had a knee injury in high school. That was his other knee. So, um, you know, I, I may be wrong, but I think he's had issues with both knees in his career. So yeah, you know, when you're sliding foot first or feet first, you know, guys diving in like that, that, yeah. that could be a hold your breath moment if you're a UNH fan for sure. Yeah, that's what he when he when he went down. We looked immediately, and it was just the you could see the brace was down beyond the the T guard, and uh, he had to have that readjusted. But it was like, oh no, please! But it does take that one element away from him. I mean, he has mobility, but he doesn't want to get himself hurt again either. And that's I think 
also could be in the back of his mind. I don't know if it is, sure. but you know, some concern. Yeah, interesting start, and uh, let's let's just hope it keeps rolling. I think uh, Coach Santos has got him fired up for sure, and uh, they're now they're on the road uh, this week in Albany, and then they'll be back home on the seventeenth. So we'll uh, hope to see a crowd there for the seventeenth and a couple of wins in the book. One thing I wanted to ask you about that uh, Sam brought up in our last program: the state of Massachusetts. Uh, the Massachusetts uh, Interscholastic Athletic Association has decided that they're going to consider athletes, high school athletes, to be eligible for that name, image, and likeness rule so they can make a little extra change on the side with a lot of restrictions, mind you. Uh, have you heard anything? And Is New Hampshire, the NHIA, even thinking about or considering any of that NIL thing? You know, I couldn't tell you, Sherm. I do know at the Union Leader, we were planning to work on a story on that, but it, I wasn't assigned that story, so I don't have the answers. Uh, I didn't ask the questions. Um, you know, once one state does it, it certainly becomes an, a possibility in all states, and I don't know how many others besides Massachusetts may do it. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that certainly uh, – we should pursue, you know, as a news organization and get some answers down the road. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they do pursue it, but I, I don't have any answers for you on that for sure. Well, just from your own viewpoint, now you've got a son that's a football player, an athlete, and, uh, and, and what, what, what's your takeaway? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing, or, or, or could you see problems with it or what? I want Nick to make as much money as he can for the family. <laughs> show, so. <laughs> But, but now, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing. You know, I grew up in a different world where as an amateur athlete, you didn't make money and now they're making all kinds of some of the, some of the dollars, some of these college football kids are making is crazy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look at it a little more thoroughly. I'm sure there are issues. Um, you may even, you know, not so much in New Hampshire, but some of these football crazy States, you know, you may end up with some of the, problems similar to what they have in colleges where hey you got a good quarterback over there in west right. texas but if he comes over here to this school we can promise you this mm -hmm. you know car dealership or whatever you know yeah. and yeah. Um, maybe some of that'll happen I, I don't i'd have to look at it a little closer sherm to give you a, a good answer i guess i think i think if new hampshire or any state, but if New Hampshire adopted this for the high school level, I know there are a lot of restrictions. Sam had them all. He, he listed all the different things. Uh, one in particular was they can't use the logo or, or mascot of the school. So if let's just say, and I'm going to use your son, Nick, uh, was one of the eligible athletes, he could uh, put a t-shirt on that says uh, Joe's Sub Shop, but he can't say anything about the extra Blue Hawks on the shirt. I guess that was part of the restrictions. And there's several things they cannot touch. I mean, and I'm not going to go through the list here, but just the fact that I, I, what concerns me is the have and have not end of it. If you're going to do it on a high school level, everybody's in. So if the a team, we'll just use the Blue Hawks for an example, decides we're going to have Joe's Sub Shop as a sponsor, everybody is wearing Joe's Sub Shop and benefits from it the program, the booster program, whatever. They have a special fund for it, whatever not just each individual athlete getting a little piece of the action. Maybe you get a free sub that maybe, you know, okay. <laughs> but if there's any cash involved, uh, that's where I feel that there could be a lot of inequity and, and, and a lot of hard feelings. If, if you get one kid getting uh, 
free pair of sneakers or whatever the case be. I know you, you, the shirt you're wearing today. Now that's got a logo of the swoosh on it. A lot of a lot of uh, schools, uh, their equipment's traded out just so they wear whatever the brand is. That's fine. I guess that's that's understood. Uh, you don't see a lot of that anymore because a lot of these kids are wearing different brands. They don't they don't want to be pigeonholed into one specific brand, especially when it comes to uh, basketball and sneakers. I've never seen uh, more variety of sneakers uh, on the court ever in my lifetime because it used to be you wore first it was Converse and then they all the different brands came out whether it was Reebok, Adidas, and blah blah blah. Everybody on the team had to have the same shoe. But that's not the case anymore. So I just the inequity, or or I, I guess that's the only word I can use at this point. Uh, consistency. Uh, if you're going to go with a program like that, name, image, likeness at a high school level, that's all I'm concerned with. And I, I have, I, I think it's the coach said, Coach Taylor said, it's a can of worms, and he's right. Yeah, I'll make sure Nick shares his money with the rest of the team. <laughs> but yeah, you make a good point. You know, there's. It's, it's a big issue that, again, I would have to really look at it and study it because, you know, you can think of a few things off the top of your head, but there's probably, if you go much deeper into it, you're going to find other issues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how they prevent it at, at this point, you know, so unless there's some legislation changed. Uh, an interesting topic, but it's a can of worms too. And I think it's right at this point. Let's, you know, leave well enough alone. I want to get your predictions on uh, the pros. Now we're kicking off the NFL season. So who's who's your team this year? Well, if I had to pick one, I'll pick Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. Okay. Yeah, I think they're the most complete team. And uh, that's my Super Bowl pick uh, as of today. All right. And any, any predictions for week one? Any uh, Any games that stand out for you or anything that you're really kind of keeping your eye on other than Buffalo? Well, I'm in the survivor pool, Sherm. So, you know, I got to pick a winner every week. And this week I did, I picked the Saints. Hmm. Uh, I think it's the Saints over the Falcons. So uh, let's all root for the Saints for, for uh, old man Brown's, you know, financial uh, well-being. No, I think there's some good games. You know, one the Raiders and the Chargers game stands out to me. Minnesota Green Bay is another one that's kind of intriguing to me off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I'm in high school mode right now, Sherm, so forgive me. Oh, I know. I know. Well, I just, you know, everybody's talking about the Bills, and I agree with you there. I think the Bills, and I'm going to I'm gonna say the final two, Bills versus Tampa Bay. I know TB12 is going through a lot of, personal stuff i guess and and, and I, I mean some of the silly stuff that came out while he was missing from the team about him being on the fox show uh, the mass singer i mean that was the, probably the stupidest thing i heard during the whole the whole uh, time he was missing uh now if he turns out to be on that show i'll look like the fool but <laughs> i mean i don't think he's going to waste his time for a few minutes under a fuzzy outfit uh I, I think he's got other issues he has to deal with and and i think he's still got it in him but like we said in the last show i wish he had just quit while he was on top well after that championship with tampa bay say adios i'm i'm back to retirement again but it, it uh, I'm going to say Tampa Bay, and I'll and I'll go with you on Buffalo in the uh, AFC. Um, who who did you pick for the NFC, or did you? Geez, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with Green Bay. I'll go no, with Green no. Bay. I know they lost some key pieces, but I'll I'll stick with them. And, oh, the other the other one I want to bring up was Hunter Long. 
Have you heard anything about him? And do you, and do you feel he'll get uh, some time on the field this year? Yeah. Well, I know he made the roster. Uh, so I guess that's something to look for this Sunday, right? Um, yeah. See how much he's used. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I, you know, was uh, I told you all about Miami's personnel. I, I think they kept three tight ends. And I know there was some rumors that they were, they were going to trade Gusecki, their number one tight end, uh, which kind of made sense because he got a lot of playing time in the preseason. And people were wondering why he was playing so much. I think they were just trying to showcase him maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's true, that's, that's certainly a good sign for Hunter, you know. And uh, I guess we'll just have to see. I don't see why he wouldn't get a chance. We mentioned UNH. Uh, college season underway, a couple of real good contests. Uh, did you catch that LSU game against Florida the other night? I sure did. Yeah. Woo! Woo! <laughs> That's one point after attempt that, that, that I'm sure they'd like to try one more time. <laughs> well, like I mentioned this earlier, special teams, you know, yeah. I mean, not yeah. only did they miss the PAT, but they didn't they fumble away two punts. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and then, you, you got to put some time in and, uh, you know, I'm sure the coaches that saw how they blocked that PAT attempt, the kid looked like he'd never been coached up. You know, know, he went totally in the wrong direction. So not a surprise. Uh, you got to put the time in, you know. It's it's the difference I mean, between winning and losing. To pull that off the 90-yard, you know, drive and, and to score with no time on the clock, and then the point after attempt fails. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a dagger in the heart. <laughs> but any any teams that uh, college teams other than our local Wildcats that you're you're going to be uh, following this year that you think will do well? Well, you know, I, I was always a UCLA fan, and you know, uh, now I have a, more of a rooting interest now that Chip Kelly's out there. So you know, that's a team I always follow, and they haven't had tremendous success recently, but you know, they got a pretty good cast this year. So I'm hoping they do well. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day, the, uh, yeah. another Manchester guy at Ohio State, I'm sure he's his team will be fine this year. But that's two, uh, two local guys, uh, both Newcastle residents, I believe now, that um, give New Hampshire people something to root for. Yeah, yeah, they're two, two uh, solid individuals when it comes to coaching. And, uh, yeah, Ryan, uh, Ryan, I'm sure we'll be seeing him down the line and uh, probably uh, – Coach Kelly as well. All right, let's go to the two-minute drill, sir. Have you got something for me? Yeah, one thing that I, I wrote a little bit about this on the New Hampshire football report, Sure, You know, with all these out-of-state games taking place this year, you know, New Hampshire teams are playing uh, Vermont, Maine, Rhode Island, and Mass. There's always arguing over how many divisions we should have and who belongs where in New Hampshire. So I took a look at how other states do it, and it was interesting that New Hampshire does it strictly by enrollment. If you've got so many kids, you're in this division. But the other states use a more complicated formula where they take a team's winning percentage, combine it with enrollment, uh, success in the playoffs maybe, you know, other factors. And it just, you know, maybe it's time that the NHIA uh, did things a little differently, at least for football, and uh, put a few more factors into the stew before they – decide who plays where, because as you know, every two years, it seems like we're going from six divisions to three to four to five, back to three, you know, maybe mm-hmm. we just need to group these teams with other teams that they can compete against. And then that'll tell us how many divisions we need do it the other way or something. So just food for thought. 
down yeah, the road. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And and another thing you brought up in our last uh, get together is that I I think they ought to consider some sort of a of a turkey bowl game. I know they can't because of the current schedule, but if they ever do go back to the thrilling days of yesteryear, which probably they won't, uh, getting getting that uh, Turkey Day Seacoast Turkey Day game back again. You know, oh, right. absolutely. I, I Hey, listen, I grew up playing on Thanksgiving, and I know it's not a big deal in New Hampshire, but people, what they don't realize is um, what a social event it is on the holiday. The kids coming home from college, and everybody meets and gets to see old friends, and right. it's right. more than just a football game. It's really a community right. event, and uh, I would love to see more games on Thanksgiving. And now that they got lights in most of these fields around the area, you could actually have in the late afternoon or early evening that way people you know could have their turkey at lunchtime i know traditionally they they do the games around noontime and then have the turkey afterwards but i'm more of a traditional guy i like to eat early in the day and then take my nap and then go to the football yeah or or you know what the night before night before thanksgiving you know a lot of teams do that now so you got your dinner with your family and then watch your nfl games and, and nap on the couch or whatever Let's work on that, friend. Let's work on that. Two-minute drill for me. I just want to, uh, uh, and it, it involves your paper, the union leader, Roger, and uh, the Seacoast newspapers. Uh, kudos to uh, both. Uh, they did a combined effort, uh, articles in conjunction with Dartmouth-Hitchcock Hospital about mental anxiety on athletes. I thought that was a great set of articles that uh, you folks had put together. I know they had uh, Bob Tewksbury, who I didn't realize is a sports psychologist now. Uh, he was one of the, the people who commented. It, it's really interesting. We've talked about this again in a previous show about the stress young athletes are, are under to succeed, to get to the next level, especially in the high school level, to get to the college level. And then from college, well, who knows? Um, but it's, it was a well, well done series. If people haven't read it, they can go to the union leader online or to the Seacoast newspapers and catch those articles. So well worth your time. Uh, what I want to do, Roger, is at some point, see if we can get some of those folks on the program. I'd love to do something serious like that because we know kids want to succeed. Kids want to do well, you know, but I think sometimes they got a lot of outward pressure, whether it's from coaches or parents or even themselves. And, and this this kind of brought it all out. And uh, some of those folks, the experts that were involved in the articles, uh, you know, they had some good things to say. You know, what I see is a lot of parental pressure on kids mm. to play in college for whatever reason. And the kids don't end up enjoying the sports during their high school years. Right. You know, I, yeah. I can't tell you how many people that are college athletes tell me, you know, I wish I hadn't played on this travel team or what. You know, I wish I had played with my right. my hometown team in baseball or basketball or whatever or yeah. my high school years I was always worried about playing in college rather than worrying about right. whether it be you know whatever the sport may be so yeah, yeah it's, good, it's definitely a good subject and the burnout factor is is what's really a concern because they are kids are just getting to the point where they could care less about a sport when they get to that next level and it's sad because they're they, they should have fun doing it and then be excited to go into that next step up. Uh, the one thing I did want to mention as far as the video part, uh, this is our podcast version of the show, uh, but we have a video version that is uh, on the cable We and also on YouTube. We love to have people send us video content uh, of away games, of any sporting event. We will 
put it on the program, the video version of the program, obviously. Uh, to do so, send it to Seacoast Sports Forum at yahoo.com. Send me the file, the clip, the MP3, whatever it is, and I'll uh, give it to our producer, Bob Glowacki, who handles production of the TV side of things, and uh, he'll he'll do his magic with it, and we'll include it in a future episode. We really want to highlight the kids and, and again, uh, teams and all the good stuff they do during the season. When you're on either YouTube or one of our websites, I, a lot of them have a thing that says like, hit, hit like if you could, and subscribe. Roger, on the road this weekend to Rhode Island. And uh, you have a safe trip, and we'll be checking back yep. with you next week. So on behalf of Roger Brown from the Union Leader and NewHampshireFootballReport.com, I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum.